0: This podcast brought to you by Base Creek, leaders in waterproof bond coatings for the swimming pool and construction industry. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Pool Magazine Podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Kelly O'Leary, owner of O'Leary Pools out of Katy, Texas, and they build luxury custom pools around Houston. It's a pleasure to have you with us today on the show, Kelly.
1: A uh, pleasure to be here. I appreciate
0: uh, you thinking about us and taking the time. No problem. Hey, Can you tell us a little bit about your background in the pool industry and O'Leary Pools?
1: So my background, I started in the pool industry, I guess it was early 2000s, almost 20 years ago. Um, I started um, as construction manager. So project managing side, um, didn't do the designs, really just focused on managing construction for a larger company. i had been brought in from a friend of mine through high school, kind of married into the business. Um, And at the time, they just they needed help with construction. They knew I had a background in construction. Uh, So they offered me a job basically out of college said, we'll offer you a good job. You interested? So I started managing back then. We probably did. I probably would manage and oversee around anywhere from 65, 75 pools, you know, so I would say 60 to 80 pools per year. Um, So we had everything, anything and everything at that time, bridges, rivers, waterfalls, grottos, uh, you name it. We pretty much, you know, would would get dealt with those projects. They were one of the larger companies in Houston at that time. So we, we pretty much got to see a lot of experience in a short period of time managing construction for them. Um, and that's that's really kind of how I got my feet wet in the industry. You
0: know, we first met at the, uh, the Genesis winemaker dinner in Dallas, and that, that was a fun night hanging out with you and Dustin. But uh, I, I actually been following your work for quite a while. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Smith shoots a lot of your stuff and uh, how I first came across you was when I saw photos of this one great project in Houston that was uh, kind of a geometric shaped infinity pool with a, a spa had this great retaining wall with these sheer descents on it you know what the project I'm talking about okay yeah that uh, that would have been out a um, Missouri City part of Houston um, yeah. we
1: did that project I can't remember what year exactly it was it was a fun little project especially because everyone else that came in there said you, can't, you couldn't do an infinity edge. There wasn't enough slope on the property. So being able to, uh, being able to focus on the line of sights and actually get that, that visual uh, came out well. We had, we had a great builder that's a friend of mine that, that uh, built the house uh, to work with so he could take care of that portion. Um, the material came out really well and bringing Jimmy and his, uh, his staff out there to, to photograph it. That was one of the first pools uh, that jimmy actually came out to photograph when we initially kind of started talking about what he does and and uh how we can use that so it's an interesting project because that was you know that was quite a while back when when we did meet him now I, I i love to to say he's he's a he's a good friend um but it was it was really interesting to to bring him in and actually see what properly photographed pools can really look like and it, it really blew me away
0: yeah, it was kind of a, a first departure for some of the earlier work that I've seen from you, I mean, which was more kind of like those freeform pools and those grottos and, you know, uh, waterfalls and things of that nature. I mean, this was had a more of a contemporary vibe and a, a more modern aesthetic. I mean, maybe you could talk to us kind of like about that kind of shift in your design habits, you know, and on the kind of pools you're focused on more in 2022 and building.
1: That's that's pretty a pretty good point, because there was some evolution and especially looking back at some of the projects that I've done, even my designs. When I go back through designs uh, that we had sold and built and even designs that I've saved that we just haven't been able to build yet, um, there has been quite evolution. I started my company, um, O'Leary Pools Design in 2011. And so when we started it, I didn't really plan on, okay, this is my grandiose scheme. I'm gonna start my own business. We kind of fell into it. The market was still recovering from you know, 2008, nine and 10 era. And really at that time, it was just, um, just you know, getting business, um, building pools and being able to just pay bills. And as we started to build more and d- design more, you know, a lot of people helped inspire us. Um, we always look at architecture and other things, but once I could start to really push the envelope of, okay, this is exactly what the client wants, um, and start to put in a little bit of my interpretation of what I would like to see or what I think they might like over the years we've been able to actually shift away from your traditional you know kidney bean pools or you know your grotto rock waterfalls that have been in this this area of the country just predominantly just over and over and over again so it's it's kind of been a learning curve to be able to go okay how far can we push that envelope and once we started to really get clients that were more accepting of us presenting contemporary designs or things that maybe they hadn't seen before, um, we could really start to showcase what, what we can do. Um, and also that, that really, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Then we also started to dive down that rabbit hole and really start to look at other designers that we, that we admire and look at what they do. Um, and of course, then that pushes us to do better. Um, look at other architects that do things. And it, I think it's probably evolved. You've seen it you know, in, in a lot of the industry that whether it's social media can help kind of propel that. We, we see things now at the speed of light. If something happens, we can look at other designs or other things that people are doing currently and see them instantly. So the design changes and trends, they, they shift really quick. So if we're not always thinking about, okay, what's next? What would be something new? you know, you'll, you'll get stuck in a rut with repeating the same design and you'll have various clients with the same exact pool. Um, but it's been a learning curve to be able to push what I can, what I can get away with, um, what people are willing to accept. You know, we've, over the last few years, we've, we still have a lot of clients that have said, Oh, you know, we love that, but maybe not for this market or we love that. We don't think it's, it's right for Houston. Um, how do we get past that? That's, that's, that's something that we've learned over uh, the last ten years starting my company, and even probably further, probably into twenty years of figuring out how do you how do you get away with that? How do you present that to the client? You know, what are we really selling? Are we are we just selling a, a pool and a hole with water? Or um, and that's that's evolving, and especially in the last few years with what we're doing, what we see, you know, the industry shifting and where where we see ourselves as a company and where I see myself as a a designer and builder. Um, And it's, it's ever changing, especially in the last few years.
0: I know California is certainly having some kind of influence on the, some of the backyards that I see being built down in Houston, which is, you know, bringing in more of those contemporary themes and a streamlined aesthetic and that outdoor living environment. That's kind of more conducive to that, that modern uh, look and feel that I've seen in a lot of new homes being built down there. Are you seeing the same?
1: We are. We're starting to see some of that. Um, Austin is a good example because Austin has some great landscape architectural firms, some great builders, um, You know, some friends of ours that, that are, are phenomenal designers and builders. But the architecture of the homes there are a little bit above what we're doing, but that slowly will bleed into our market. So we're starting to see some of those design trends. We do still see some very traditional um, designs, depending on the architecture of the house and what area of Houston. There's some very traditional areas. There's some very modern and contemporary areas. Um, So we're kind of seeing that. Uh, It also, it's also, what can we bring to it? You know, people see a lot of things and we try to avoid that clientele that goes, okay, this is what I've seen and this is what I want. Um, Most of the time they don't know what they want. So if we can kind of show them things that, that, maybe of interest or their design trends. A lot of the, like landscaping, some of the architecture, even Australia, sometimes people are surprised when I'm like, well, look into some of the things that they're doing over in Australia or the landscape designs. And, and if you reach out even further than East and West coasts um, and you go overseas and start looking at what's doing, you have a, you have a broader sc- scope to be able to pr- pull inspiration from.
0: What do you what do you think high end homeowners want to see in your design plans? And what's the process like for you in terms of dialing in what the homeowner wants? So you know, it's of course it's ever evolving. Um,
1: every year you learn something more. Every year you get better. Every project you get better. But you know, more so nowadays, we've we've really tried to push to where we keep. I keep a very open mind. Initially, I like to pretty much just see what what's the property, what's the house. Um, and I'll I'll tell them, um, which uh, a good friend of mine gave me that idea was, uh, you know, tell the husband and wife or or each spouse, tell that each one to send me four or five photos of things they like, but don't share them with each other. Just send me what you like, whether it's even if it's not a pool, if it's landscaping, if it's colors, if it's just things that inspire them and they like. And sometimes then we we can look at those photos and as. As a as a psychologist, you almost just try to break down. Okay, what what did they like about this? What emotions did it inspire? And then once we meet them, I can kind of go through the property, look through things that, of course, as a designer, you need to think about um, entertaining spaces, sight lines, general things on the property um, that are more important as far as just parameters to be to be able to build in. But then let the client talk a lot. A lot of the times, they'll be able to tell me not necessarily this is what I want, but they're telling me more of what they don't want. Um, Sometimes it's things they don't say. Um, Even as far as looking around at what they chose to furnish the house, decorations that they picked that they probably didn't pick, it can tell you a lot about clients. Uh, An old boss of mine, when I was in oil and gas before this, this life here, uh, told me, you know, you go into a meeting, you look around at someone's office. If they have fishing picture, pictures, they like fishing, but you do the same thing to a client. You can tell a lot by style of clothing, cars they drive, just everything that's, that's in the atmosphere that they live in will tell you a little bit about it. And then you can start to kind of dissect that and figure out what exactly we need in the property. So of course, it's kind of what is the client like, but a lot of the times they don't know. So we have to be able to pull that out of the architecture of the home, their personal taste, and then also what are the designs that's going to fit what lifestyle, um, not necessarily the lifestyle they have, but the lifestyle that we're creating and designing.
0: Well, I mean, on these high-end projects, you know, in particular, some of these are not like a one and done where you submit a, a pool uh design and they're like yeah you you hit the nail on the head the very first time this is exactly what i want i mean a lot of times they have change orders and that process you know it could be months in the making before you can come up with a backyard concept that truly you know hits all the notes on what they wanted i mean maybe you could talk to me a bit a little bit about that Uh,
1: a lot of the higher end ones were the more elaborate and the more detail you get into that's exactly it is Uh, You can't just, you know, you can't just take a couple of hours and uh, design something and boom, that's perfect. That's exactly it. Some of the clients want more revisions. They want to see more changes. They just, you need to present more information for them to narrow their vision down to that, that perfect end goal or end result of a master plan. Here's where everything goes. So a lot of things need to, need to be kind of redirected. And if you don't manage if you don't manage expectations time on the client you'll go you could go through thousands of revisions and then no one's ever ever happy but a lot of times we've had clients to where they want to have continual revisions more modifications change this change that um and that process can be long and at the end we go back to the first design i presented them so if we take our time properly We can really sometimes come up with exactly what fits that property and that client, almost on the first shot. Now, once you have a lot of the parameters, especially on a property, we're not just designing a square or a pool. There's a lot of other things to think about, so you will need to adjust and modify. Maybe it's an uh, entertaining spaces, socializing areas. Maybe those need to be moved around. Um, You know, whether it's visual features, water features, or uh, kitchen patios, you know. How is that going to work in relation to an evening of entertaining? Where are people going to go from one point to the next? So you do have to do that. Um, but managing those clients so that you don't have an endless, never-ending design can be difficult sometimes, um, especially the larger ones. The, the, it's all about the details on those. Every corner, every inch has to be thought through. Um, a lot of really good designers across the U.S., have honed in their skills on that flawlessly. Um, and you, you, of course, you know, talking to a lot of these designers and builders um, from east to west coast, uh, but it, it's always a challenge for smaller companies too, like us, um, but even the larger ones. It's it's a never ending challenge with design. Um, I can't think who said it, you know, um, a well thought out design looks, looks like it was easy and everyone would have thought of it, but a lot of thought goes into that to make it seem simple and seem easy.
0: Sure. Sure. I mean, here's a question I don't think I've ever asked before, but I mean, what do you do when a homeowner just submarines the entire process and say, you know, this isn't what I want. I want something completely different. I mean, has that ever happened to you? And what do you say when something like that happens? We, we, to, uh, I
1: guess to share with the world, uh, yeah. I mean, everyone probably has their own way of handling it. Sometimes, Sometimes you have to evaluate that on the fly. You have to know, um, what's this client's temperament and instantly you have to be able to, to read what, you know, what you can get away with or what they'll, what they'll understand is constructive criticism versus what they may find offensive. Because a lot of the times the clients are like, look, I'm in charge. I know what I want. You know, if they're just wanting me to go, yes, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. That's, you know, and design you know an ugly pig in the backyard that's a whole nother story but uh we come across some clients that do that whether it's materials we'll have a, a great design and, and um, all the details are thought through and then they start to come in and change the design there's one pool i have in my past we jokingly refer to it as my big fat greek pool because <laughs> the design started out great but just like the movie once it was done and they made all their changes the yard looked my, like my big fat greek wedding. It did not, none of it was a cohesive material selection, design change, everything added on. So you take one of those and you'll never forget it. You learn from that. Um, We've shifted our kind of management, client management style to a a little bit more of what I do to recommend, even like material. I was talking to another uh, designer, I think it was actually when we were uh, at the international show was sometimes I'll, you know, I'll limit the material selections. I won't give them you know, three hundred different material options to look through because I find that they're less likely to be really very happy with that. Yeah. So if more. the yeah. general direction, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said, yeah, less is more. Sometimes it, it really is. It's, it's just the psychology of selections. We know pretty much narrow down to almost maybe in between a few. So sometimes I would even grab you know the two options that we really like, and then a completely different option, and then once you see those next to each other, it it really kind of, I guess you would call it the ugly tile um, in the room really does showcase the tile that we were leaning toward. And it, it reconfirms that for the client that they know, okay, yes, this is really the selection we want. Um, you know, and and some of the other options, we, we pretty much just let the client know, I mean, you know, there's things they can change. There's things they can't change. Some of the things they cannot change are Safety things, um, things that deal with safety codes, um, structural codes, just general building codes, non negotiable. Design changes within limits, but you know, it, if, if it's a simple pool, um, they will maybe allow some more changes. If it's a more complex pool and it's really a passion project that we really have a lot invested in to be a part of it, we, we don't allow as much changes there because. You can spend a lot of time in that design and then if it's not something that we can photograph or, or present uh, you it doesn't it, it, it doesn't have as much value to us because we're growing and we're trying to really showcase what we can do so ma- managing those changes sometimes you know of course is hard you're right you can't just say sure we'll do everything and anything that you want um, the client's always right it's not really maybe if we're selling ice cream, but, you know, we're far from that. So I think trying to manage that is is always difficult and is always different with different clients. Um, some clients we've been able to say we have final say on all the material um, and any design changes. And they know us from other friends and other builds we've done and they have no problem. They say, you know, you know what you're doing. You do this more than we do. Um, we trust you. And of course we do show them and, and subtly give them the option. But we just kind of joking we'll tell them put your faith in us and and we'll make sure it works out right
0: <laughs> i mean a lot of these clients they really you know they they want to have hands on in terms of the design and, and i mean you, you've seen the same thing in the interior of their their home as you see in the backyard i mean have you ever worked with a client that just requests an unreasonable amount of change orders. And I mean, how do you unwind and uh, set and adjust expectations with a a pain in the butt client when that happens? Those really can be difficult ones. Um, You can have the
1: never ending project. They continually want, okay, let's change this. Let's add this. Um, We have one currently that that's wanting us to take on, we call it phase two of the project because the pool's done. Um, and at this point, we have other clients in line. So, as busy as we are, in the way that the market is nowadays, you know, like that client, I'll I'll simply let them know is that we have, you know, we have other clients that we we have obligations to. So we need to, we need to move them along, and then we can get back to it. If they want to discuss, you know, bringing us in to design, consult, or be a part of the rest of the project, we have to be able to we have to be able to manage that in. X amount of time frames. We can't stop everything we're doing to let them continually consume. It's it's time management on our part um, and being fair to other clients. Sometimes price-wise, too, for us to start permitting and and start all over on that permit process to add, you know, the other half of the property into our scope of work, it's it's going to be X amount of dollars. So, you know, whether that sometimes whether that sometimes the best thing to do is almost jokingly say you know it's the I don't want to do it price. It's simply it costs too much um, for us to lose X amount of work to continually be invested in your project never ending. Um, right
0: you let those people kind of filter themselves out.
1: You really do. you know if clients are willing to wait, if they're willing to you know pay for that one-off um, feature, we can work with them, but sometimes the weight is, is key is, is we can't, you know, we can't neglect other clients to backtrack and take care of one, but you know, you have to kind of manage all of them. Um, And a lot of clients, once they understand, you know, once I start your project, you want a hundred percent of my attention. So just like the other clients that I'm about to finish, I have to give them a hundred percent of my attention. You know, they understand that. I think because they all want me to be intimately involved. They want me on the job site every day. They want communication with me every day. A lot of the clients work with us simply because they want me there. They don't want another guy there. They don't want me to, to delegate that to some new guy. So once they understand that it's only fair to give my attention you know, to the clients and, and they understand and appreciate that when we start their project then they're going to have a hundred percent of my attention. So sometimes they're, they can be reasonable and understand, okay, you know, I can't take, you know, 12 hours every day of your day. Um, But it's like I said, it's, it's a balancing act. How do you manage clients that, you know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of people would say, you know, of course, yeah, if you have the money, we'll build it. But, you know, of course the projects do have to come to an end. Um, managing the psychology of the clients as well we remind them if you have a never-ending project uh, you're going to get more and more stressed out and anxiety with the fact that your house your property and the front backyard is always in continual limbo there's dirt we jokingly say there will be mud there will be long periods of it so if you stop the project um, it just compounds the delays. And no matter what project, I, I almost think no matter what project, what design or what builder they're working with, every homeowner or client at the end of the day, when things are finished is happy to go, okay, I love you. Thank you. Thank you. But get out of my house. I'd love to have my yard back to normal. So keeping them focused on the end goal too, um, the light at the end of the tunnel, that, that finished presentation um, and just moving the needle. Sometimes it's very subtle things, but it's, it's, it's a lot on the project management side to, to try to balance that act. I think every builder probably has that one client or a few clients occasionally that it just seems like the project is never ending.
0: Well, I mean, their biggest pain point when building a custom pool is obviously how long it takes. I mean, we see this a lot, but I mean, what are some of the challenges that you see um, or an example of the, some of the things that come up? that high-end clients can do to torpedo the process you know the i think
1: the biggest thing that that clients can do on the higher end projects is changes change orders design revisions things like that because that can stop the entire project if we can't if we want to add things that have to be permitted and have to be engineered or have to be redesigned um you can't do if you have underground mechanical electrical, plumbing and all these other things that need to be done you you really can't you can't do hardscapes you can't do some of the other finished um, material selections paint trim finishes like that without going back and making sure that all the underground is done so the entire project can actually stop until the design is done modified added then your permitting is done then you can get all of your underground stuff so some of those projects can delay things substantially. Um, change orders, material selection changes, changes to the design would be the biggest thing because it's not that we're just making a quick change. You have to, you have to reschedule and coordinate almost a circus of crews. And so every small, every small thing during a build, every action has an equal or opposite reaction. Little things like that can delay. Everyone. And then, if we have 10 or 15 crews now that are all pushed back, that can turn into um, a three to five day lead time to change material or one to two week lead time. Then the material shows up. Next thing you know, you're two to four weeks of downtime because the other crews were obligated to other jobs. And so it's a spiral effect of managing the timelines and the build process for all the other trades that have to follow. So, change orders, we tell clients we can't give them. You know, we can't give them exact dates, but that's the biggest thing that can delay. You can have every plan, everything scheduled, but when changes come up, you have to shift your schedule on the fly.
0: Yeah, I think that one of the biggest challenges is that homeowners have no idea how long construction actually takes. I mean, what do you? Another thing is that, like, how how much pools actually cost to build? I mean, but what do you say to a customer who has unreal expectations, like Don Perignon taste on a cause cool light budget?
1: Well, yeah, depending on the client and their, their level of uh, how serious they are, or if they can, you know, kind of joke around with you a little bit, and kind of understand some very good analogies, you can, you can kind of explain it different ways to clients. Um, sometimes in a nutshell, you can, you can simply say, okay, you know what, you know, what's your budget. And then once they kind of tell you the budget after they've given you this list, you go, okay, let's start removing everything to get to that budget. Now you have to remove this. You have to remove that. Once you start removing everything, they can tell, no, 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 wait, wait, we don't want to remove that. We're not happy with that. You know, that it really changes everything back to a project they don't want. So, you know, man, managing the clients that are just unreal. If it's, if it's realistically, if it's horribly unrealistic, um, if their budget is, really unattainable. We just have to tell them it's just just not possible. Um, A lot of the clients, whether they come from different industries, different backgrounds, they may not know what all goes into uh, managing a project and and finishing a project that's going to be designed right and built correctly. Um, So they think sometimes it's very easy. The crews just show up and everything just builds itself. Um, but they don't understand all of the detail that goes into it. So the more we can explain this is the process and this what, this is what has to be done, they can start to realize that project that they saw on HGTV or that they saw on the internet actually is quite expensive, quite complicated um, to build. So managing you know, what people think, even sometimes where it's uh, designs and uh, construction documents, they think we can just plug and play a pool and this whole property is going to design itself and when we tell them no you're you have you know anywhere from 20 30 40 maybe 40 to 60 hours or more just in trying to design that make everything fit they kind of start to realize okay there's there's more to this than we thought this isn't just simple um you know and, and i think that helps a bit
0: yeah, I would imagine over the last couple of years, you know, the demand has been so unprecedented that, that I'd imagine that you've been able to kind of cherry pick which projects you want to kind of take on. Has that led to some more bigger and elaborate jobs? It it
1: really has. Um, they were kind of unintended consequences uh, initially was we simply were just, we were overwhelmed. We could only take on so many projects. We started to see that the build time was taking longer. Um, and we didn't want to overcommit and oversell like a lot of the people in the industry did. And then you're playing catch up. Um, you're getting in trouble with homeowners. You're getting in trouble with, with you know, clients on, you just bit off more than you can choose. So once we started to scale back and we knew we could realistically only take this many projects, we had to, we had to kind of cherry pick. And the clients, luckily with the clients that we had worked with started to understand that and they understood, okay, we know there's a lead time. We would rather wait for you. So the clients that, that were willing to wait for us, we really just reminded them. And it has to be the projects, um, say, I guess it was end of last year. Yeah, maybe the end of uh, last year, 2021. We only had so many jobs we could take at the end of the year. And if they weren't a project that was really, really good for our portfolio, or I was extremely passionate about, I, I simply couldn't take the job. Um, a lot of the industry, it's been very crazy for the last few years. So the main thing was too, is not to get burnt out. If I'm not passionate about the job, um, it may show in my day-to-day operations. So if I have that that passion and that excitement, uh, more so than the client about their project, they see it. And they love seeing that I'm, I'm that passionate about it. So we started to pick them um, and we started to, to really do that. There's one, t- one project in particular, um, that we've been trying to work on. And uh, a lot of the great tile installers, um, I've loved watching their stuff for many, many years. And we've tried to get an all tile mosaic pool in Houston. I've probably been talking with a few people and, and pitching that for three or four years. So we finally designed one and you know, we simply the design. The, the property is phenomenal, but if we couldn't do the all tile mosaic pool and they were gonna go to plaster change the entire design we simply told them that it's not a project we can take this year we're going to have to move that to 2022 because we only had so many spots and once we said that they understood and and then they were ready to move forward with the um, all tile mosaic vessel and that's how we got the opportunity to work with uh, ray corral and mosaicist
0: awesome yeah he does great work i mean honestly have you been able to fully capitalize on the demands you know, that you've seen over the last two years? I mean, do you think that, you know, given the amount of leads that you've had come in, you know, have you been able to, to, to build even a fraction of those, those leads that are coming?
1: So I, I, I think in, in part, yes. Um, we've been able to capitalize on really getting great projects, bigger and better projects and, and more more intricate designs and being able to push the limit. Um, quite a bit more than we ever have. But at the same time, I think because we're not set up like a lot of the large companies, I think there's a lot of missed opportunities. There's a lot of clients that have waited, you know, to to get designs or, or for me to build their project, we simply can't get to. So I think if we were, you know, if we were structured differently, we could have capitalized and and maybe took advantage of of what we had and, and been able to to service and, and help more clients. But at the same time, I, you know, you're, maybe you, you know, not every pool is right for you. Maybe not every project is right for you. So sometimes saying no to those um, is good. You know, I think we, we, in hindsight, of course, you can look back and go, you know, if we would have just had these people in place, we could have been more efficient. We could have taken on more projects. So I think that's one opportunity loss that we learned from is as far as I don't think anyone really knew the demand was going to be that high. But at the same time, I'm I'm willing, I'm happy with letting those go to have more pra- passion projects, more projects that are that are more exciting, more collaborations with other designers. Um, example, you know, collaborating with uh, Mosaicist. That's 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 something I've wanted for years, and and that project is just stunning. So I think it's it's kind of a on some aspects we've been able to capitalize and and really make a change in in the image of where we're going as a company. On the other hand, I think because we weren't scaled, you know, we did lose out on some of the business that people just weren't willing to wait the lead times that that we're experiencing.
0: Well, I mean, you know this industry is kind of cyclical, you know, and I'm sure you're noticing the same things even in Houston where gas prices are really cheap. But I mean, you know, inflation and the the price of fuel and you know a, a retraction in the demand for swimming pools as COVID restrictions are relaxing and travel is resuming to normal pace again, you know, conditions for this demand, are kind of fading out. And with that comes kind of recalibration back to pre COVID norms in terms of demand, how have Leeds been this year for you in comparison to the last two years, you noticing things tapering off a bit in terms of demand or still things crazy or what's going on.
1: So um, I think it might be a little bit different for me. Um, just because some of the other builders I talked to in the area, um, they've, they've been experiencing leads tapering off substantially. I think a lot of that is just the cost, you know, if the cost, it's unsustainable for the cost of your average consumer pool to continue to climb it at that rate. Eventually people will say it's unattainable. I, we can't build that pool. So I've been hearing a lot of that. Um, the clients that we have, though, some of them right now are almost inflation proof. Um, and we've kind of, we, we made a decision, you know, 2019 and 20 to, to change the direction we were going as a business. It was a bit risky, but I think it's probably paid off because we, we still have plenty of leads. We have uh, a good friend of mine's a builder. Um, they're willing to wait until we can get to them on four projects this year. So we'll take those later in the year. So I'm not experiencing it maybe as much as others. Um Simply just because of the position we put ourselves in as as a as a company,
0: right? I mean, what type of pool projects are you focused on building these days, and where do you see the evolution of your company heading into 23? So
1: right now we're doing a couple of projects that we're collaborating on with um, Randy Angel Designs out of uh, Plano, Dallas area. Another good friend, phenomenal. Sure. So. At working, being able to work with him uh, is very exciting because he's, he's, you know, one of the best at what he does. So those projects are quite a bit different because we don't typically get large master plan projects on that scale. Um, so seeing the shift that we're being able, we're able to do those type of projects with him. And not only just, we're not just designing a pool. Um, we're, we're doing furniture. We're designing furniture as well as, you um, selecting furniture and installing everything that you need for that backyard. So instead of just selling simply a pool, we're really trying to change, change the lifestyle or sell a lifestyle. So it's furnishers, furnishings, accessories. A lot of the other designers around the U.S. are, are pretty much doing the same thing with where they've went is, you know, it's not just a pool. It's, it's a pool and it's landscaping. It's, it's outdoor living design. And that encompasses everything. That's not just a swing set or a pool or a, an outdoor kitchen, um, furniture, accessories, and a lot of things like that that we're starting to push. That's started to bring us different clientele when they see we do that in a market where not a lot of people do. In the Houston market, there's not a lot of people that will go to that level of detail uh, to selecting, you know, furniture, plants we had a client a few years ago who asked that when we started working on the design is, you know, how do you plan on entertaining? Uh, what do you guys have now for entertaining? Do you guys have stuff for your new outdoor kitchen? Hey, they had nothing. They're like, well, no, we don't have anything. Well, what do you have for entertaining? Do you have when people come over? And they had nothing. So we said, okay, well, let's make some selections for you. We designed everything that they needed for outdoor entertaining and cooking, everything they needed for uh, entertaining for glasses, um, glasses for the kids that uh, look like glass, but they're not going to break near a pool. So it's safe. Um, and once we started uh, to do that, I think they really shared it with a lot of their friends that they just never thought of all the things that they're going to need in this new lifestyle that they have. <laughs> and the, the amount of time they spend outside, it was well worth it. So, um, the more clients we can have like that, the larger projects, I enjoy those. Managing those sometimes can be pretty challenging, um, but larger, more complicated, per se, one off projects, I see that's where we're going as a company. You know, we still want to take on some of the average pools. Um, Not everyone needs to spend, you know, what could be its relative, but an absolute fortune to be able to get that that pool and that lifestyle that they want. So we still want to be reasonable and and attainable to you know, your average pool client, we would just prefer to try to make material selections that are very unique. Try to do very subtle design changes that are just very unique. Um, sourcing material that no one else in Houston or the area uses, that's another great thing that can set us apart. Picking material that they have no idea where we got it um, and it's not available locally, that's a great feature. When their friends come over, it's not the same material they see on their pool. No one's ever seen it. and they love it. You know, clients want their pool to be unique. They want their pool to be special. Um, they don't want their friends to come over and go, yeah, my pool has the same thing. It's pretty much the same as mine.
0: Well, I appreciate your your insights uh, on a variety of different topics that we hit on today, Kelly. Um, as always, you know, great conversation when I speak to you. So uh, definitely appreciate having you on the show today. Thanks so much. No worries. Like I said, I'm, I'm a small
1: guy in the industry. So uh, anything i can i can contribute i'm happy to i appreciate
0: speaking with me that's all the time we have today a huge thank you to our sponsor basecrete the leaders in waterproof bond codes for the swimming pool industry please make sure to subscribe and we look forward to catching you next time on another episode of pool magazine podcast